the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Choose this day whom you will serve, whether yourself or the Lord. Give him your heart, his call you've heard. Give it all to the Lord. Choose this day.
Spirit of the living God. Would you come and prepare our hearts and our minds for the word that you would speak to us. For you are the Almighty. And Lord, you have called each who is here. You have chosen each who is here. Now come and rule over what has already been promised to you. Come in and possess fully, O Lord, by the power of the blood, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Alive in Jesus. Alive in Jesus. The children of Israel are called out of bondage. They walk through the desert. They're brought into the promised land and they there begin to enjoy all the benefits of being God's people. They move into houses that they did not build. They eat from vineyards they did not plant. They suddenly find such a luxury about them. Joy fills their hearts. But that generation dies and another generation comes. And now we begin that sad cycle. Judgment comes and the people repent. The judgment is relieved and they dive back into their sin. And always it is the same sin. It is the sin of Baal worship. And Baal is the prosperity God. Baal is the God who delivers the rain for the seasonal growing of crops. If you please, Baal is the God of money. And so they continually are called by the devil to begin to worship money. And as that sin grows in their hearts, the presence of God is grieved. And once more, they're prepared for judgment. And so we come today. The children of Israel have been sinning against God. They have been worshiping at the Baal idols. They have determined that their schedule and their way of life and their desires are greater than that of serving the Lord God of heaven. And so the Philistines are given authority by Almighty God to rule over the Lord's people. We find that in Judges, the 13th chapter, verse 1. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. After 40 years have passed, there is no sign that they are crying out to the Lord God of heaven, but out of the Lord God of heaven's mercy for his people, he now prepares a deliverer. 
and he does so with great deliberation. He sends an angel. Now, I want you to see all through the book of Judges, you have a pattern of God's deliverance. He will send an angel who will speak to a deliverer. That deliverer will rise up. Under the anointing of the Spirit, he will blow a trumpet. And when he blows the trumpet, the children of Israel gather together, and they are empowered by the Spirit of God to do awesome wonders, as in the story of Gideon. But now we're going to see something very different. The Spirit of God, through an angel, appears to a man and a woman, first to the wife. And he says to her in verse 3, the angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, you are sterile and childless. You are going to conceive and have a son. Does this remind you of Abraham and Sarah? Or Isaac and Rebekah? Jacob? Rachel. The Lord comes. He's prepared a family. It reminds me of John the Baptist's parents. The Lord is coming in the way he normally comes to begin to pour out his Holy Spirit to bring deliverance. She is directed to raise this child as a Nazarite, which means that this child is going to be very unusual. He is going to be set apart for God before he is born. He will be filled with the Spirit prior to his birth. This is the same as has happened in some other great stories. John the Baptist was set aside as a Nazarite. Before he was born, the Spirit of God entered into him. And he leapt in his mother's womb. I want you to see today that these are normal steps that God takes as he begins to prepare to deliver his people. And always the deliverance of his people comes as the Holy Spirit is poured out through a man of God or through a woman of God. This young child is to be utterly dedicated to God, totally given over to him. He is not to have a normal life. His hair is not to be cut. He is to have no alcoholic beverages, no grape juice, not even eat a grape. He is not to touch the dead. He is to be reserved in total lifestyle under the Lord God of heaven. The angel comes back and speaks with the husband at his request. And in kindness, again, outlines how this child is to be raised. This mother and dad seem to be very eager to raise this child in a godly manner. The woman gave birth to the boy. 
and named him Samson. He grew and the Lord blessed him. And then the spirit of the Lord began to stir him. The power of God began to move in him. The anointing began to increase upon him. And he was stirred by the power of the Spirit of God. And now, coming up out of that Nazarite background, being totally given unto the Lord, as the Holy Spirit now begins to stir in him, the natural response of this young man should be to walk in the holiness of God and now begin to blow a trumpet and deliver all of Israel. That's the story time after time in the scriptures. But it's not to be so with this young man. Now I warn you, if the Spirit of God begins to descend upon your life, and he begins to stir in you, that stirring will either cause you to walk in the fullness of Jesus Christ, or that stirring will cause you to serve the devil. The Spirit of God is stirring, stirring. And Samson responds to this stirring by choosing a young Philistine woman and saying, I have seen a Philistine woman, now get her for me. She is my wife. She is the one for me. And now we find the underbelly. No godly man would have spoken to his parents in such a manner. Only an arrogant, self-possessed man would speak in that manner to his father. This was a culture that showed great respect for the parents. The parents were the one who arranged the marriage. The fact that he would speak in this manner is not a reflection of the Holy Spirit's direction. Rather, it's a reflection of a man who has been anointed by the Spirit, but in his flesh, he takes that anointing and now begins to walk in his own desires and demand that others allow him to have those desires. Chapter 14 of the book of Judges, verse 3. His father and mother replied, Isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among all the people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? And he responds, Get her for me. She's the right one. Instead of this man, who was so eager these many years earlier to hear the Lord's command, This man, instead of obeying the command of the Lord, has allowed his child to grow up willful. Instead of disciplining this son, there has been no discipline. And so now this son has grown up, and he now insists on having his own way, or he'll throw a temper tantrum. Now, I'm warning us today 
Because the Holy Spirit is going to come upon this congregation. And if the Holy Spirit begins to stir in your heart, what will you do? Will you go after the Philistines? Will you begin to demand to have your way? Will you begin to rise up in your spirit and say, I'm somebody. Now recognize me and do what I want you to do. This father could easily have said to his son, do not speak to me again in this manner or you will be cut off. He could have disciplined his son. But he'd never disciplined him before. Why start now? If his son wants a Philistine woman, well, good, let's go get the Philistine woman for him. Some of you have people in your life that you have never disciplined. Whatever they want, you give them. Whatever your friends want, you let them have. No discipline. You're in grave danger because when the Spirit of God begins to move, those people will go after the Philistines because you've never dealt with them. Now watch. The Lord God of heaven sends a young lion roaring at him. What does he do? He demonstrates his power by grabbing the young lion and tearing it apart. He kills the lion. But wait a minute, I thought you were a Nazarite. I thought you were not allowed to touch anything dead. Oh, well, never mind. I was threatened by the lion. What did he trust in when he was threatened by the lion? He trusted in his own strength and in his own power. There was no crying out to God. There was no asking the Lord God to deliver from the lion. The Lord could shut the lion's mouth with Daniel. But here the only answer is, exercise my great strength and tear this enemy to bits. And he is doing this as he is on the way under the anointing of the Spirit. So the Spirit quickens him. Now, now look, verse 6, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. So he tore the lion apart with his bare hands. So the Spirit of God comes... And my response to the coming of the Spirit can be to use that strength and multiply my own strength and do what I want to do. You see, there is no, there is no guarantee if the Spirit of God begins to stir in us that we're going to walk in a holy road. If we've walked unholy before him in our own spirit, then the Spirit of God comes, we walk even more unholy before Him. We walk into even more darkness. The gift of the Spirit of the living God only causes to be revealed in our heart what is truly there. 
And so if the spirit of the living God begins to be poured out upon my life and all the time I've desired to demonstrate my own power, I now will really demonstrate my own power. I could tell you many men in history and women who have walked in this. Even today, men who seem to have great power and authority standing before the people of God. The Spirit of God is stirred in them. And they've used that power to gain money. They've used that power to gain influence and notoriety. They've been a Samson. Samson is then taken through a whole series of events where the Spirit of God comes upon him and and he's able to kill a few people. There are some miracles that are done, some astonishing miracles that are done. At one occasion, he grabs the jawbone of a donkey and he slays a thousand men. And then he's dying of thirst and he cries out to the Lord. And the Lord brings up water for him. And he has, a little, he has a little pond of water, a little pool of water, and he satisfies his thirst. But you see, with Samson, the children of Israel are never delivered from the Philistines. There are only skirmishes. And all of the miracles that are worked are for his own personal survival. The Lord with Moses would strike that rock and would send water gushing out that would satisfy the thirst of all of the children of Israel. Yes, Lord. But for Samson, there's just enough water for Samson so that Samson's needs are taken care of. Never mind about the rest of the people in captivity. I'm enjoying the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The miracles of God are happening in my life. And they're all for me. And they make me somebody. The anointing of the Spirit allows me to live and even more fulfilled life. It's like having a supercharge on my ego. So I get what I want. I have my way. And God's people aren't delivered. Samson takes vengeance on this one and that one. And finally he ends up in Delilah's bed. There's a Delilah waiting for you too. Have you met her yet? Have you met him yet? Delilah is not just a woman. Delilah is a man. 
Delilah is a circumstance, a place. Delilah is whatever comes by the power of Satan to test your heart, to see how you're going to measure up under the anointing of the Spirit of the living God. Have you gotten in bed with Delilah? Not to worry. She asked, what's the secret of your strength? And so I say some foolish thing. She tests it and finds I still have the power of God. So again she asks. Again I tell her something foolish. But finally... I get right down to brass tacks with her. And I tell her what's on my heart. I cast my pearls before swine. And I tell her I've been a Nazarite set apart to my God since birth. Now what I want you to Understand that the Spirit of God is trying to say. Is that you can have the anointing of the Spirit of God. And play with Delilah. You can have the Spirit of God anointing you with power. And still be playing with sin. You can go out from this meeting and this week you can walk in known sin. And you can say to your heart, it's not to matter. God loves me. And I know I shouldn't be doing this, but you understand I'm just weak. I know I shouldn't be walking in this way. I shouldn't be talking this way. I shouldn't be doing this or that. I shouldn't be thinking this way. But it's all right because God knows my heart. He knows I'm weak. And he knows that I just have to have what I want. And then he rises up to shake off the Philistines one more time. And the power of God has left him. Judges 16, verse 20. Then she called Samson. The Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Now let me say to you, there is not one of you in this house today who has not received a portion of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Every one of you in this place has received the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Not in the kind of power we desire. Not in the kind of anointing that enables great feats. That's coming. 
I'm concerned about what you're doing with what the Holy Spirit has already placed upon you. I saw one of the saddest things this last week I think my eyes have ever beheld. I saw a person this last week in a public place where they were not aware that I was watching them. And I sat and watched this person who at one time walked with the Lord Jesus Christ. Their life had been a brilliant torch of God's presence. Their testimony had been one of victory over sin. But this person in rebellion turned and walked away from Jesus Christ and walked back into the darkness. The saddest thing I'll ever see is a person who one time had the glory of Jesus on their face. And then to see them when no one is aware of their being watched, to see them walking in the crowds in total darkness with not even a glimmer of the presence of God about them. This person woke up and thought they could shake off as usual. And the Spirit of God had departed from them. And today they're walking in utter darkness, hopeless, despairing. The power of God is gone. You see, when we have the stirring of the Spirit in our heart, that calls us to come to the National Prayer Chapel. When the Spirit of the living God begins to stir in us and cause us to open the Scriptures and read, when the stirring of the Spirit of God begins to call us to deal differently with our family members, when the Spirit of the living God begins to stir in our heart, we have to choose how we'll respond to that stirring it will expose the inner secrets of a man or woman's heart. And if in our heart we think, oh, I'm going to enjoy this, I'm going to enjoy this sin, but I like that I know Jesus, and I like that I enjoy the Scriptures, and I like that I enjoy walking with the Lord God of heaven. I like having that psychological atmosphere of Yes, I'm a child of Jesus. But I like going over here and playing with the world. A time is coming very soon when you will awaken and the spirit of the living God will have departed from your life and you will walk in utter darkness, no longer desiring anything of the Lord God of heaven. And the spirit of the living God's presence in your life will be gone. Samson was taken then. His eyes were punched out. Because the first thing that happens when the spirit of the living God departs from us is that we lose our ability to see. And then he is put into hard labor grinding like an animal, the grain. And hour after hour, with the whip cracking over his back, he is forced 
in the strength of the human flesh to grind the grain. And then he's made sport of. He has no power. He has no authority. He has no dignity. The Spirit of God has departed. And then they bring him out to do feats of strength. His hair's been growing. They place him finally after the demonstration of power between the two pillars that hold the temple up. Thousands of people are present. The cream of the Philistine infrastructure is present. And now he pleads one more time for the power of God to come upon him. But what I want you to notice is that if the scriptures tell us, he asked that the Spirit of God come upon him, that he could gain revenge. Not to lift up the name of God over the Philistines and defeat them. Now, I want you to see something. Had he been standing there between those pillars... And had he asked Almighty God to forgive him for his passion and his sin, if he'd asked Almighty God to come in and order his steps and use him to deliver, he would not have died that day. He would have been used by God for a mighty deliverance in Israel. And the whole Philistine nation would have been defeated. But instead, he had only concern for his revenge. He gained his revenge, and he died. A young man of immense promise, filled from birth with the Spirit of the living God, called by the Spirit, stirred by the Spirit, And the whole ministry was aborted into foolishness because he never was willing to ask the Holy Spirit to order his steps. Instead, he tried to use the Spirit to accomplish his own goals. We say, not by power, Not by might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. When the stirring of the Spirit of God comes upon you, will you use it to accomplish your own ends and abort what God has called you to accomplish? Or will you humble your heart before him And seek his face. That he could accomplish in your life what he desires for his people. Now Jesus speaks about these things. I want to share quickly with you. In Matthew the 10th chapter. 
verse 28. Matthew 10, verse 28. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both the soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. And even the very hairs of your head are numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my father in heaven. Do not suppose that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. The word is very clear. Jesus did not come to improve our lives. Jesus came to receive our lives. He came in order for us to give all that we have, all that we are, into his hand. And I ask you today, have you lost your life yet? If you have not lost your life, For Jesus Christ, when the anointing of the Spirit comes, you will abort what God desires to accomplish through your life. So have you lost your life yet? Let me ask you another way. What has it cost you to follow Jesus? What does it cost you in terms of money to follow Jesus? How has your lifestyle been impacted as a wealthy American by your love for Jesus? Have you sacrificed anything for where he's moving in springs of living water? Have you sacrificed anything for springs of living water with your money? What have you you given up in your life for what God is doing right now in this city in the moving of his spirit? The spirit of God is quickened in springs of living water. What have you given sacrificially? What have you given for the heart of God? How has it impacted your lifestyle? Are you alive in Jesus? 
Or is your life still well and alive? And you in your life say, yes, I love Jesus. Come here, Jesus. Nice Jesus. Come and be my pet, Jesus. Jesus is not a tame lion. He doesn't roll over for you to pet him. He's dangerous. He'll pounce on you. And you will be ended. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Jesus has asked us to give up our life. To take his life. To be alive in him. What have you sacrificed of your time? How has your time been impacted? How have you inconvenienced your lifestyle for the kingdom of heaven? How have you lost your life with your family for the name of Jesus? Are the members of your household your enemies? Or have they all given their hearts to Jesus Christ? If your family members have not given their hearts to Jesus Christ, then you're called to stand as an enemy against your household and call them with a heart full of love to Jesus Christ. Oh, I know. I don't want to cause a disturbance in my family. I wouldn't want to cause people to be upset. They'll be more upset when they get to hell and say, why didn't you tell me? Why did you let me go? Didn't you care enough to tell me what you knew? That Jesus was real? I didn't think he was real. I thought he was pretend. I thought he was a concept. I thought he was an idea. He's real. How have you lost your life for Jesus Christ? The heart of Jesus is for the salvation of the city of Washington. How has has your life been impacted by the heart of God for this city? Or have you been concerned about, Jesus, how can you help me with my life? And so you've had little miracles. You've had little bowls of water open for you. You've had little provisions open for you. You've had a parking place. You've had some money come. You've had God work these little miracles for you so that your life would be comfortable. The Spirit of God is stirred in your heart. 
You've engaged in a few battles. But now enough of that. Let's get back to my real life. Now let's get back to what I, I know I have to do. Lord, I'm willing to be a soldier of the cross. Just make sure it's on Thursday night. Lord, I'm willing to serve you for maybe one hour at night and maybe a half hour in the morning. But then you know, Lord, I've got a job to do. I've got responsibilities to take care of. Lord, I've got a life to lead. I'll fit you in where I can. As I have spare time, Lord, I'll fit you in. Are you still fitting Jesus in somewhere to your life? Or have you lost your life and become alive in Jesus Christ? serve you for the empty praise of men don't let me carry the banner of righteousness when my heart is full of sin the difference I cannot see between pride and purity don't let me serve you when I'm really serving It's me who should be led Don't let me preach the words of truth When I'm needing to be fed Oh, the desperate heart of man Deceitful above all Only the Lord can know All that we never should I'm rich Remind me that I'm poor Don't let me act like I'm contented When I really wanted more If the accolades may come The job may be well done Just let them always see The one who died for Let me serve you for the empty praise of men. Don't let me carry the banner of righteousness when my heart is full of sin. The difference I cannot see between pride and purity. Don't let me serve you when I'm really serving me. Serve you when I'm really serving me.
pray that Jesus has met you as you've listened to today's broadcast of Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel. Visit us online at nationalprayerchapel.com or write to us at Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. God bless you. We love you.
trust you and believe. Sometimes it takes a mountain. Sometimes a troubled sea. Trust you and